Welcome to the Middle Church Podcast, a multicultural, multi-ethnic, intergenerational movement of spirit and justice, powered by revolutionary love with room for everyone. No matter where you are, how you look, or who you love, we pray this podcast will help you on your journey. Here's this week's worship celebration. Welcome to Middle Church. My name is Jackie Lewis. My pronouns are she, her, hers. If you're with us for the very first time online or in the room, can you raise your hand? Yay, welcome. We're so glad you're here. We have cards that go around at this time. If you keep your hand raised, one of our ushers will bring it to you. We will not make you preach today, but we might next time. Pastors on the front row. So here comes the cards, one, two, three. We're glad to, to make sure you get those. And we'd love for you to stay in touch with us, and we'd like to stay in touch with you. Uh, let me tell you a few things that are going on on this last Sunday of January. First of all, gospel choir in the house. And they're not only singing this morning, but they're taking their beautiful gifts to the Spiritual Sounds program. I think this is our 16th, is that right, John? Yeah. 16 years of interfaith connecting in the East Village, and our gospel choir has been present all of those times. In times like these, this interfaith community is super important. So John and the choir, um, Reverend Natalie and our friend Mackie Alston are all going to be there supporting today. So if you are free, please go. We are at Temple, say it John out loud. Uh, Temple Town, Town, Village. Town and Village Synagogue, which is in the bulletin and online. Town and Village Synagogue, if you're free and you can go to that program, uh, we'd love to have you do that. Um, before that, here uh, in this space, another very important interfaith program which is that we're working with our colleagues at EET uh, to care for our asylum-seeking family, our immigrant family who are in these United States hoping for the dream. So Reverend Amanda's been working so closely with that team, I wanna give snaps to that. And this is at four o'clock here today, an asylum seekers family dinner. Can you please come help do show up for that if you can, so grateful. Uh, speaking of people doing good work, uh, some of our middle members are serving on our board, the Middle Church Consistory. Raise your hands if you're on the Middle Church Consistory. Yay! Just amazing! And some of our members are serving on the Freedom Rising Board. Raise your hand if you're on the Freedom Rising Board. Yay! And that board is meeting this afternoon to do some vision planning. Very excited about that. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, the rest of you who do that work on behalf of Middle Church. Um, a couple more things. One is that we are planning our 18th Justice Conference. It's called Freedom Rising, You Move the World. 18 years of people buying airplane tickets and paying tuition to come learn how to be a multi-ethnic, multi-racial love machine like us. How exciting is that? How many of you have already bought your ticket to your conference? Not trying to shame. <laughs> Not trying to shame, but to encourage that perhaps one would consider buying a ticket before there's no seats. We're going to be at Marble uh, Collegiate Church. We have fantastic online tickets, fully digital, fully in person. 
please notice that this is in your bulletin, and please plan to get your ticket and bring a friend. How many of you are considering coming to the conference? Excellent. Let's a coaching question would be, what's the likelihood you're going to buy that ticket today? I, who am a coach. What's the likelihood that you'll buy the ticket this week? Okay, fantastic. That's, that's good. I felt like there was one more announcement. Yes, this is a really important announcement from Reverend Natalie. Hi, Natalie, who's being digital minister today. Um, have you signed up for Circle, the Middle Church app? I know, right? So many options to do things, yeah? So let's sign up for the Circle app, which is our intention to have a place for us to just be family, right? Not in the interwebs all over the place, but to be family. And inside, inside the Circle app are opportunities, prayers from Reverend Natalie, good ways to connect, and a James Baldwin class materials are gonna be there. There are 130 people already in Middle on Circle. Come be one of them. That an invitation from Reverend Nadley is on the website. We'll drop it on our socials. Click, click, join. Ooh, I could make a song. Click, click, join. I say click, click, join. Click, click, join. Clickety, clickety. Okay, let's stop. All right. There is enough junk and hardness and sorrow in the world that some giggles are helpful, aren't they? Mm -hmm. I'm here to be your giggle meister today, okay? Let's take a deep breath. And let us worship our God as we sing our opening hymn. Thank you, choir. So my friends, if you would stand as you're able, you might have a little sheet with hush in it, and if you don't, it's all good. It says, hush, hush, somebody's calling my name. Oh my Lord, oh my Lord, what shall I do? And then sounds like Jesus, just two verses.
what she said. Good morning, everyone. I want to invite our children and our children at heart to come join us on the blanket. It is time for the message for all ages. And I need to grab my props real quick, so give me just a second. So hello, my name is Elise, and I'm wondering if my young people here and my young people at home scooch closer to the screen, and maybe my grown-ups. Did you know that grown-ups use a lot of phrases involving water that really have nothing to do with water? I'll give you two examples. You might have heard a grown-up say, my cup runneth over which really is a way of saying, I have so many blessings. I'm feeling so great. Maybe you've heard, up a creek without a paddle, which is a way for grown-ups to say, oh no, we are in trouble. This morning, I woke up thinking of the phrase, you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm-hmm. So I want us to imagine, and I'm going to get my script out just so I don't go off of it, because I do like to talk. I want us to imagine that this cup or bottle is kind of like our energy, okay? Our ability to give to others. Now, when it's full, maybe we're like so energized. We are happy, we are acing our math tests, we are sharing our toys, we are hanging out with friends, we are delivering sandwiches to neighbors who might be experiencing food insecurity. And when it's not so full, maybe we don't feel like doing those things. Maybe we're really tired, or bored, or really sad, or maybe really annoyed. Have you ever felt any of those things? Bored, sad, tired, annoyed? Yeah, I don't know if you can see this, young people, but the grown-ups, nodding. <laughs> friends at home, double nodding, right? And friends, it's okay to feel that way. And I also want to encourage you that when you are feeling that way, you are allowed to stop and focus on your own needs and make sure that you fill back up because we need to give to ourselves before we can even think about giving to other people. And actually, you know our friend Jesus, who we really like? Jesus actually modeled this a lot for us. Jesus would sometimes, when his cup was feeling really depleted, really low, he would go off by himself, and he would meditate, or he would pray alone. Or he would spend time with his closest friends, and laugh, and listen to music, and eat food, and so I'm wondering if you can help me think of some ways that you fill your cup, some of the things that make you happy, whether that's alone, I see my introverts, whether that's in the company of other people, hello extroverts, or maybe somewhere in between, we call those ambiverts. So I'm wondering if Miss Jackie can help us think about, by showing the mic, 
What are some things that make you happy? And when you give your answer, and grown-ups, I'm inviting your participation, we're going to spend some time filling this cup up too, okay? So what are some things that make you happy? Do you have something yet? Climbing on a playground structure. I love that. Climbing on the playground structure. Forget those monkey bars. Climbing on the playground structure. All right, Gabby. <laughs> Who else has something? What makes you happy? What else? Listening to music. Yeah, man. Baking. Baking? Um, cooking a healthy meal. Cooking a healthy meal. Playing music. I love this. Thank you for all the things that make you happy. Let me screw the water cap on so I'm being a good neighbor in the sanctuary. Friends, can I make a confession to you? Are you willing to hear it? When I came into church today, I was not feeling super full. My cup was kind of halfway, like this bottle before we started filling it up. But after listening to all the beautiful things that make you happy, now I'm kind of feeling like the bottle right now. I am feeling super, super full. And so I want to encourage you today, young people, grown-ups, friends at home, to do something today that fills your cup up. Maybe it's something you do alone, or maybe it's something that you do together. Because focusing on our needs, giving back to ourselves first, that's not selfish. That is actually something that Jesus teaches us to do. Okay? Will you pray with me real quick? And pray after me. Dear God, help us be attentive to our own needs so that we can pour from a full Amen. 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 Let's sing Sia Humba as we go back to our seats. Embarrass Gabby, but I do want to thank her for coming down and being on the floor and giving us some smart words. I love climbing on structures in the playground. <laughs> it is one of my favorite things too, so thanks for saying that, Gabby. Friends, this is the time in our community when we pray together. As unique as are our fingerprints, is the way we imagine God. And as unique is our voice is the way we pray to God. So when we guide these prayers, we're not trying to impose a prayer on you. We're trying to facilitate a prayer. So I want you to take a breath with me as our first part of praying. (sighs) 
And one of my favorite texts in all of scripture is, when we don't know what to pray, the spirit prays on our behalf in sighs too deep for words. Isn't that beautiful? In sighs too, too deep for words. So if all you do today is breathe or sigh, God's already hearing, tracking, connecting with what you're saying. So take another breath. Dion's going to give us the beautiful, soft music that she does, and I'll guide us a bit. softness, in the loudness, in the shouting, in the crying, in the marching, in the hugging, in the singing, in the protesting, in the mourning, in the dancing, in the baking, cooking, cleaning, shoveling, mending, binding, creating, in everything we do with our hands and our feet, you are present. Our prayer is that we are more profoundly aware of your presence. We don't have to perform to get it. We don't have to say the right words to have it. You're just here, everywhere, all at once. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> our ability to conjure you, <laughs> to commune with you, to connect with you, at any moment, at any time, about anything. I think there's lots to be sad about today. We lost our friend, Mady Morantz. And we've lost others close by part of our community. We've lost Leon Edwards. We lost Sandy Stone. We lost Achebe Powell. We've lost aunties and uncles and cousins and friends and sisters and brothers. And because we're a community, those losses affect all of us. We've lost Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of kin in conflicts around the globe. There are folks who have been taken hostage and we've lost a feeling, a feeling of trust 
we're frightened. If that can happen, what else can happen? We've lost a certain kind of ability to communicate with each other because we're so sad and mad and worried. Your word tells us, blessed are they that mourn, for they will be comforted. Our Jewish family, in whose place we find ourselves this morning, commemorated the Holocaust yesterday. And so we pray this mourner's kaddish, not only for those lost in that horrific time, but all of the folks in Gaza and all of the folks in Sudan and Congo and all of the folks at the border trying to swim their way to freedom. We pray this prayer for every lost life because every lost life matters. Our moms, our dads, all we mourn. Glorified and sanctified be your great name throughout the world that you have created, God, according to your will. May you establish your reign in our lifetime and during these days and within the life of the whole house of the people you've created speedily and soon, God, for this we say amen, ashe, may it be so. May your name be blessed forever and in all eternity, blessed and praised, glorified and exalted, extolled and honored, adored and lauded. May your name be holy and blessed beyond our hymns, beyond our praises, beyond our consolations. And for this we say amen and ashe. May there be abundance of peace from heaven and life for us and for all of the world. And for this we say, Ashe and Amen. To you, God, who created peace in heaven, may peace come on earth for all the people, for all the time, for all the people, for all the time. For this we say, Amen and Ashe. Will you stand now if you're able or in spirit and pray with me the prayer that Rabbi Jesus taught his disciples. Pray it the way you learned it, the way you memorized it, the way you know it, the way you're comfortable. And there's an inclusive version in the bulletin. Let us pray. Ever loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come.
the peace for which we yearn is ours to offer to one another. So may the peace of God be with you. I invite you to share a sign of peace with your neighbor. Be gentle with your neighbor. <laughs> As you share a sign of peace. Peace be with you.
When I passed Jackie, I said, can we just say amen and go home? <laughs> Seriously, amen and amen. Our gospel reading this morning is from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. Hear a word from the gospel of Mark now. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? We know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, what is this? A new teaching? With authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the sounding region of Galilee. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thank you, God. theologian Yolanda Pierce says that her grandmother taught her that Jesus consistently did three things. Healed people, told stories, and fed people. Jesus falls right in line with Dr. Pierce's grandmother's observation today in a story about healing. If you've worshiped with us the past couple of weeks, you've been moving through the New Testament book of the Gospel of Mark with us. Last week, Jesus came into the world and Jackie led us through a beautiful sermon about repentance. And this week, in Jesus' first public appearance in Mark, he shows us not who he is just in word, excuse me, he shows us who he is not in word alone, but also in action. He taught as one having authority, the story tells us. You know, some people just have that. They're charismatic, they're magnetic, they walk into a room, open their mouth, and you're like, okay. They elude and wield authority, kind of like Jackie. <laughs> but but we're, ta we're talking about Jesus. <laughs> But much like today, it was the Sabbath. Crowds came to the synagogue to learn. But on that particular day, there was a new man in town. And unlike the scribes who were held as the religious thought and, le and legal leaders of the day, Jesus of Nazareth was on the scene. And folks were just beginning to learn what he was all about. As the text read, suddenly a voice from the crowd shouted out, what have you to do with us? We know who you are. And it wasn't just any voice. It was an unclean spirit. Don't you find it interesting that the first thing that recognizes Jesus for who he is in the Gospel of Mark is an unclean spirit? Not a person, not a disciple, not a scribe. An unclean, a little bit mysterious spirit. Do you think anyone knew that the unclean spirit was there that day? Likely not. 
By religious law, it would have made the entire synagogue unclean. But it was there. And its question rejects any kind of community. What have you to do with me? And the plurality of the question is also so interesting because it shows us that we're not just talking about an individual unclean spirit, but more than one. What have you to do with us? The word for unclean is, in Greek is akarthatos. You may recognize the word catharsis in there, as in release. All that's pent up, finally getting out, dancing. All the things that were mentioned this morning, climbing, these things can be cathartic, playing, singing. But the little a at the beginning of the word here is a negating prefix that makes this word the opposite of catharsis. Akarthatos, meaning all the negative feelings, all the negative energy, all the anger, rage, everything that's trapped inside can't get out. That's what we mean by unclean spirit. Negativity trapped inside, not able to get out, removed from community from which it's supposed to be, dehumanized, marginalized. So when we say unclean spirits, we mean anything that is destroying human life. Have you come to destroy us? What have you to do with us, Jesus? Everything. Absolutely everything is Jesus' response, demonstrated by his removal of the unclean spirits from the man's body. In a way, the Greek describes as loudly convulsing and shaking and falling. These spirits came to the synagogue and got right in the face of Jesus, didn't they? And we know it's true that even our most holy places aren't exempt from things that destroy human life. Unclean spirits take up residence where? Yeah. In our schools, in our relationships, in our houses of worship, in our homes. Some of you have heard me share this nugget of truth from a seminary professor of mine, the late Reverend Dr. Katie Cannon, who wisely said that justice starts in the bedroom. We can't act like there's anywhere exempt of that which harms human life, and we have to start with our most intimate places to first name the thing and then work to free ourselves from it. I'm also really struck by the demons fighting. Are you? They gave up a loud fight. That's okay, it was appropriate. It was loud. <laughs> Perfect. They gave up a loud fight. And I'm wondering if I'm struck by that because I see that playing out today. When forces of evil, be they occupation, transphobia, sexism, imperialism, anti-Semitism, are even in the proximity of God, they are threatened. And they don't go down without fights. That's why after 9-11, we saw a rise in Islamophobia. After October 7th, we've seen a rise in both Islamophobia and anti-Semitism. 
It's why every time the goodness of God calls out the demons of white supremacy, white people put up a fight. We do this so often. Academic Carol Anderson has a whole book on it, a whole name called White Rage. From Anderson, since 1865 and the passage of the 13th Amendment, every time African Americans have made advances towards full participation in democracy, white reaction has fueled a deliberate, relentless rollback of gains. The end of the Civil War and Reconstruction was greeted with what? Black codes and Jim Crow. The Supreme Court's landmark board versus education was met with what? Shutting down of public schools. Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act, which followed, triggered the coded response of the so-called Southern strategy and the war on drugs that disenfranchised millions. And there may never be more examples of white rage than all the nonsense, let me say domestic terrorism, white people have done in the wake of this country electing a black president. I'm talking Donald Trump, January 6th, continual rolling back of voting rights, and our investment still in this twice impeached $84 million owing forerunner of the Republican Party. Unclean spirits are threatened in the proximity of God, and they fight. One of the ways we're fighting right now is in our inability to agree on what is unclean. We guise it in semantics sometimes, don't we? How do we talk about what's happening in the Middle East? Can we call it this? Can we call it that? Can we ask for this? Can we not ask for that? I'm not saying definitions and standards aren't important. I am saying that we often focus on the wrong things. Can't we agree that bombing of children is not okay? No matter what we're calling it or who's doing it. Can't we agree that raping people is not okay? No matter who did it or why. Can't we agree that pillaging Sudan and the Congo and Gaza for resources and power and whatever is not okay? Can't we stop asking with the evangelical faux pro-life crowd, when does life begin, and agree instead that people should have the agency to make decisions about their own bodies? Can't we agree that we need to work just as hard at defunding our racist police state as we do at freeing Palestine because that work is connected? Do you see how we're fighting today? And yet God is calling us to something totally different. So what if we focused rather on where we agree than where we differ? Not in some false performance of unity, that is not helpful, but in a deep, soulful questioning of what really matters and how do we get there. When we are captive to unclean spirits, we are less than human. Enslaving forces destroy humanity. Now, Jesus' exorcism did not and does not eliminate evil and oppression, as stated in our list above, but it does deny those forces authority 
over our lives. And that is the very important piece. There is a new way in town. Oppressive, dehumanizing forces do not hold authority in a world created by and being created by God and therefore us. Every time we cleanse ourselves from unclean spirits, we are returning to God. Every time we rid ourselves from these festering evils, we remember our identity. Remember the beautiful sermon Jackie preached at the beginning of the year, the baptism of Jesus and our own Thiek Milan. Every time we rid ourselves of forces that destroy human life, we remember that we are beloved. Always have been. Always will be. As the Greek for unclean is akarthatos, we also hear the word cardiac, right? Or heart. And friends, these are very matters of the heart. Our love muscle. Sometimes our hearts are tired. <clears throat> Have you been feeling tired lately? But like by all measures of the counts, you're doing the right things, you're drinking the water, you're sleeping, you're walking, right? Doing the therapy, you're coming to worship, but you're just generally exhausted? Is it just me? And I'm trying to chalk it up to so many things. Oh, it's, the, it's January, it's the rain, it's the four kids. Okay, it's probably the four kids. <laughs> Staying out too late that one night. But it's also this. When there are overwhelming systems and powers that are unclean around us, we are dysregulated and we are tired. Our heart muscles are tired because we're not supposed to function like this. And there's only so much we can do every day to take care of our hearts and to release that which we can. We're not supposed to bear witness to ongoing genocides. We're not supposed to have the two options we have for the presidential election. This is an election year. And be told that we have to choose to vote for one of them because that's the best we can do. White rage makes people of the global majority exhausted. Can we stop that, white people? And while I have deeply enjoyed getting to know so many new neighbors, migrants who've made their way to the East Village because St. Bridget's Church on East 7th and Avenue B is an intake center for adult men, and Sam is part of leading the volunteer efforts there and is doing an amazing, amazing job. It is actually emotionally exhausting to walk by fellow humans standing in the snow and rain every day, hungry, cold, and tired, because we have a mayor and a governor who have not figured out a sustainable solution. <laughs> Systemic unclean spirits make us systemically tired because our hearts hurt. So if there is a word for me today, and perhaps it's a word for you too. It's that not only can God speak into the unclean spirits in my body and in yours and in yours, 
God can speak and silence all of the unclean spirits. The web of, equal, of evil that exhausts, dehumanizes, dysregulates, and oppresses. Does this man in our story come with that spirit of repentance like we heard about last week? Like Jesus kind of asked us to come with last week? No. He comes as he is, actually a little nasty to Jesus. And still, Jesus heals him. Because Jesus does whatever it takes. God does whatever it takes. And that's why the entire story of the Bible is important. That's why you keep coming back, right? God shows us all the ways God accomplishes her purposes. We can show up ready. We can show up repentant. We can show up nasty. We might not even show up at all. The end game is still the same. Jesus' desire for us, which is from God and is God's, is that we are whole. That we rebuke and denounce all that is unclean, all that distances us from the goodness of God, and that we, our very selves, are free from all that dehumanizes us, marginalizes us, belittles us, makes us feel less than divine. In God's world, there is no room for oppressive forces that weigh us down. There is no place for people to be living in hell on earth. And isn't that what we pray every Sunday? When we pray the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray, la, 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 and deliver us from evil. Right? We pray it every Sunday because it's ongoing. We pray it as practice. We pray it as hope. We pray it as power. It's not easy for us to come out of ourselves, is it? But Jesus loves us so much that he's able to help us get there individually and together. Do we have the courage to come out of ourselves? To see what's possible on the other side of dehumanization? In writing about the despair of watching the plight of Palestinians, Katie Willis Evans writes, we who are safe and sleep soundly at night, we have so many risks we can take. Might we risk being amazed? They were all amazed, the story tells us, amazed at this new teaching, amazed at this exorcism of oppression. So can we stop fighting about what it means to be unclean? Can we stop fighting wars? Can we stop feeding the gods of militarism, capitalism, and religion? Can we focus on what it would be like to be amazed at just the possibility of liberation? The world is full of oppression, but it is also full of us, the power of God inside each and every one of us that fights even harder to get out. 
in our own bodies that then spills over into our systems and into our politics. Can you imagine that? We have the capacity to change. We have the capacity to evolve. We have the capacity through solidarity and our steadfastness to the promises of God to see the world free. To be absolutely astonished by what happens when we're all liberated. Does anybody remember the first word you spoke when you were a baby? Or maybe the first word your grandchild spoke or your nephew. My youngest daughter Larkin's first word was, wow. <laughs> I know, I'm not lying. We were in the school lobby outside a performance of her other siblings and Elliot this week, so as not to disturb their production. You know how it is, take the baby out. And Larkin was babbling away as any 15-month-old does. She has a lot of words, the school officer noticed. She does, I said back. What was her first word, the officer asked. Wow, I responded. Wow, she replied, ah, then she is loved. She concluded, I know. That comment has stayed with me all week. Because it's a whole sermon, right? Our astonishment at liberation, at being free from that which demonizes and causes us to be less than human is ultimately a sign that we are loved. This life that we're called to, the world we're called to create is rooted in love. Love is our foundation, our reflection, our quest, and our call. That we are wowed is a reflection of our belovedness. That we are amazed is a sign that we are loved. And we are. We really, really are. Amen. Amen. Hello, Middle Church. I am so happy to be here. It is a dream come true. You have shown me so much that I don't have to be scared to share my feelings, that I'm in a community that can help me be me. Ever since we have lost our church, not only me, but we, we weren't paying most attention what's most importantly, what we need to pay attention to. We really need to pay attention about our feelings, that we don't only need a building to be safe, we need each other,
We need the spirit of everyone, which is why I'm here. Because I love Metal Church so much. It is why that I have always wanted to be here for how much I love this church, our community, and me.
Holy God, we give out of our abundance because we are loved. And God, we are ready to be amazed and astounded at what you will do with our gifts. Amen. Amen. If you remain standing and join us for our closing here. Well, well, church up in here. Wow, thank you so much. Choir, thank you so much for your beauty and your gifts. Amanda, girl. <laughs> thank you, Amanda. And thank you, children of the light. Thank you, the living, breathing body of Christ. Thank you, God's feet and heartbeat for going into the world ready to cast out the unclean spirits that haunt all of us, ready to be amazed at the goodness of God and what God is calling us to do in the world through us. God will heal the world. Through us, God is healing the world. Through us, God is. God is. So may God bless and keep you. May God make God's face to shine upon you. May God lift up God's countenance upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening, friends. To learn more about Middle Church, visit middlechurch.org. You can help grow this movement of love and justice by rating us on Apple or Spotify and by sharing this episode with a friend or two. Send us an email at info at middlechurch.org if you have any questions or comments. We hope you'll come back next week. Bye for now. <laughs>